Okay. Looks like we're rolling. Down a river. Rolling. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> like, don't you roll? Don't you row down a river? Tina Turner. Come rolling. on. Let's do this. Rolling. Welcome. So why don't you welcome people okay. in? We're right. I'm like, this is this is so weird. We're so used to doing our own podcast with like not another person. <laughs> it's like right. it's so odd to have like another person also <laughs> in the room because even even my interviews are always on the phone. Yeah. So I'm like yeah. literally the only human that's there when I'm doing this. You, either people are sleeping or gone from the house. So I'm not even used to <laughs> human beings anymore. Yeah. One day, one day if I get to like a video format, then I'll be used to you know, always people. So what you're saying is you haven't missed me being here for podcasts. I've gotten kind of used to the no, <laughs> the no people. The peace but and quiet. We are back. We're back for another episode because people keep asking me like, oh, you guys, you know, are we done with a vaccine conversation? Like, no. No, heck no. Dr. Bob is just tired all the time of vacationing <laughs> and so he needed a break. And so it was more of a summer break for this podcast and then we both kind of had our, our own little side casts happening um yours is a tale of two sides but it, what's the official title of the podcast that's what it is a tale okay. of two sides a novel on vaccines and disease okay so yep. you've got that and i've got what they aren't telling you which is social and political unpopular opinions that are evidence-based and uh that doesn't mean we're stopping anything right so i think i want to like reaffirm for everybody that nothing's stopping and we're not done with what we're doing. We do have a tour coming up and we're a hundred percent doing that. Do you so want to you, you announce that we might almost be coming somewhere soon? We almost might be, but are almost a hundred percent certainly coming to <laughs> Texas. And that is going to be hopefully within the next six weeks. Um, as our first stop on the tour, I would love to get in three states before the end of the year. And I think we're going to start with Texas. Texans for Vaccine Choice are a great group, mm -hmm. very professional, very involved and on top of it. And so I'm talking with the wonderful organizers there and we are realigning our dates uh, because that was supposed to be our kickoff you right. know, back in spring yeah. before COVID. Um, so that's going to be on the plate this coming week as far as nailing down some dates, getting some places together. We'll definitely be doing two locations. So if you are in the Texas area or you're willing to travel to Texas for this, because like I said, we're only going to have a handful of states before the end of the year because of restrictions and everything that's going on. You'll want to be there because this is going to be a great event, not just for what we're offering education wise, but for the chance to come together now more than ever. Yeah. I mean, think about think about before COVID and we were planning on this and thinking, oh, this is great. This is a time we all need to come together. But that was nothing yes. compared to yeah. now, which we really have to come together now. And we are literally in the fight for our lives at this point, for our freedoms, our liberties, the future of the country and all these things. So this is probably the most pivotal point, I'd say, we've ever been in as far as public awareness, education, empowerment, um, helping to inform people and trying to come together and build a force against what's happening. So if you're near Texas, you're in Texas, you're around Texas, you're willing to come there. This fall, so likely the end of October, ideally, we are going to come to you and you're going to be the first place we're coming to and we're going to do an event. We're going to talk about COVID. 
Dr. Bob's not super excited <laughs> about that. But the reality is this is life right now. Yeah, but it's not just going to be COVID. It's, it's going to be, be the COVID. vaccine conversation and and tying in. You know, by then, we'll probably even know more about the COVID vaccine, but also tying in all these freedom issues that have come to light and, and government and, overreach. Yeah, and yeah, and politics and pharma and our infectious disease policymakers and our public health policymakers and our governors and and what they're doing to and the we, people. We're going we're to be picking a unique topic for every place that is going to be in addition to this broader discussion we're talking right. about. So yeah. every place is going to get something unique. It might be about aluminum. It might be about the HPV vaccine. It might be about the flu shot. It could be about a variety of different things that we're going to set up and we're going to make sure we're going to have a nice little power-packed content section that is going to make you more informed than when you came in. I can guarantee you right. what we're going to give you. I don't care how long you've been in this. What we're going to give you, you're going to come out smarter on that topic than when you came in. And in addition to that, we're going to talk about COVID. We're going to talk about politics, freedom, liberties. Right. We're going to talk about where we are in the world and where the public is on this issue. Yeah. Because the way I see it is... We're better off than we've ever been as far as the general public being willing to have this discussion. There are a lot of people that are uncertain with the way things have gone down and a lot of people that are uncomfortable with the way things have gone down. And there are a lot of people that are understanding the data has been manipulated. I mean, gosh, so clearly manipulated. Right. And what we've always said is the same thing was happening, right, on our, in yeah. our little small world of vaccine safety yeah. and informed consent discussions. This is a much bigger world. This is happening, but it's the same story. So I think there's a unique opportunity here. I've been saying this for, for this discussion to become much, much broader and invite a lot more people in. So let me also say, if you're a listener and a fan of what we've been doing, and you're coming for that reason. Make sure to invite your friends, your family, your colleagues yes. that maybe don't really know how they feel about vaccines or aren't, aren't even necessarily on, quote, our side on this. But maybe they believe in the preservation of our freedoms and they believe that the COVID vaccine has been rushed and the safety is questionable and they are concerned. Bring those people too. Bring your conservative friends, your Republican friends, bring your independents, bring the people who don't maybe even know how they stand on vaccines, but know how they feel about mandates and the government getting involved because we will not leave them out. We're going to have that discussion, too. Mm -hmm. This is really a conversation for everybody. And this is not you don't have to be a fan of our show. You don't have to be a fan of vaccine safety to be there. Mm -hmm. You just have to be an open minded American who is not okay with losing your personal liberties and who feels like they have the right to information and to be informed before making important decisions for themselves or their families. So if that's you and that's your circle and your friends and family and colleagues, get everybody to show up to this. We made the ticket prices, what, 10 bucks? Yeah, and if you bought one of the tickets for the original show, you know, back in March or whenever it was going to be, we will just uh, turn those tickets uh, over to the new show, all right, and we'll put all that on our website. In fact, when we know the dates, we will podcast again and 
and tell you guys the exact dates and get you excited about it. We might just do an episode just on that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Here's the dates, yeah. how, what we're going to do, how to buy your tickets. We yeah. might just do a short yeah, little Yeah, so if you already got one of those tickets a while ago, it's still sitting there ready to go. And, and we'll let you know about the new dates when we know. And then we'll you know start selling more tickets for the event. And I think people just are can't wait to get together. I mean, people are just yeah. craving to get together with their with their peeps, you know, their their fellow freedom fighters. And we had this great little get together this past weekend at Doheny Beach out here. And I, I think there's probably like twenty five or maybe, you know, thirty of us and it was awesome to just hang out with people we had known for a long time in this fight and spend a few hours just chatting and and I can't wait to to do that all over the country. Um, I'm looking forward to this almost as much as Melissa is looking forward to this. Well, what's nice is the you know we have to pick states that will allow that 200 yeah, person gathering yeah. because we expect this to be pretty large. But we've seen political gatherings much larger than this, and that's allowed to happen. So you know what? Why not us? Why are we not allowed to get together? Especially we're looking at the most health conscious group of people, you know, uh, coming together and we're like minded and we need to have that community and uh, we need to have that fellowship, so to speak, um, Mm -hmm. on this issue when everybody has been just the world has turned upside down over the last six months and nobody knows where where it's going to end up. And so we need each other. They cannot conquer and divide by splitting people and not letting them get together, because as we know, there uh, there's power in numbers. There's power in a collective consciousness, and it is our job to facilitate these moments where we can come together like this because we're building up our strength. We're building up our power, and that's what these events do. This is not just – we're not promoting anything at these events. It's not We're not promoting a movie. We're not promoting a project. We're not promoting anything. We're literally there for you. We are bringing T-shirts, though. I mean, we'll have <laughs> – you can take a piece of us home. Right. I'll be bringing some Vax facts. We have right. some shirts. You'll probably have some of your some books. Some books, yeah. But but I'm excited because you and I spent a lot of time designing these shirts. And an artist friend of ours uh, who lives nearby here designed it for us. It's fantastic. And it says like, says like the Vaccine Podcast Tour 2020 that it says like 2020 so we have to get out there in 2020 and do this and and so you guys people you know or so so you guys can uh you're right take a piece of the tour home with you and and they'll be super cheap you know we're not making any money off this this is all just for our you know for our 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 non-profit organization and but yeah we want to make this a community and then you can wear these t-shirts around town and you know people ask you about it right and then you hand them out vax vax cards and i went to concerts growing up it was awesome to get a t-shirt i never thought that we would (laughs) i never thought growing up as a kid that i would have my own concert t-shirt someday you know to to sell for people to buy so that's kind of uh oh that's a little bit uh a little bit humbling i guess did you ever you know think you'd have your own concert t-shirt yeah I did because I'm a singer <laughs> that was literally my entire life's dream for decades but aside from that no <laughs> but I what, what I want to say is is again we're doing this for you guys so it's not a fundraiser we're not there trying to get people oh, yeah, to totally. give money we're not trying to hit people up for things this is not a schmooze fest <laughs> we are literally coming there 
to meet you, you, the listener, you who is listening right now, we want to meet you. We want to hug you. We want to meet you. We want to talk to you. We want to share stories with you. We want to share the energy and the space with you. Mm -hmm. And we're there to inform and educate people. We're giving you tools. We're offering ourselves to you. We're offering the knowledge we've come across and compiled to you so that you're better off and you can go educate and inform others. We're, we're starting the dominoes so that, they, that you can be a part of them continuing to go on. So this is very different, I think, than maybe what a lot of the other things have been in our community. And it's not a rally and it's not a, there's no legislation we're, t we're fighting. This is literally just an information and empowerment night where we are there to meet you and give you information and come together and, and spark something and light that fire everywhere that we go. And we talked about this before COVID, which was this is a national discussion. I mean, it's a global discussion, but I mean, even more so, it's national. This is not state by state. We have all these state groups, but really, we're all fighting the same battle here. So it doesn't matter if somebody's in one state or another. This is the same bigger mm -hmm. picture. And, and I encourage everybody to step back and realize it's a bigger picture. So you might think, oh, well, I'm in this state over here. Exemptions haven't been taken away, so we're fine. Yeah. This is all part of the same yeah. discussion. So make sure you're there. We're excited to be there. We've done everything we can. And trust me, it's been a lot of work to make this happen. <laughs> so mm. we have busted our collective butts <laughs> to make this happen. And we're excited to be there. So um, please, you know, be a part of it with us and show up also. I know it's like, oh, I don't want to go. But what about, you know, get childcare, get a mother-in-law, get somebody to watch your kids and get out with your friends and come join us. It's going to be great. You make it greater because that's oh, the yeah. truth. So, yeah, the people and the who more are of there you, the greater. more of you yeah. and that energy. And I want that fire. I want that there. And right. that's going to inspire us. And we will, it'll bring out the best in us. I yeah. want, I actually want you and I to be like tired at the end of this because I want it to be that good. Yeah. yeah. I want, I, I love those moments when you just give everything in an hour and a half or two hours. Yeah. You give all of yourself. You're fully available to everybody. Yeah. You're motivating them. You're informing them. Your brain's working overtime. And then literally when everybody's gone, it's that moment of like, oh, my God, I'm so exhausted. Yeah. I want to feel that because yeah. then I'll know I've done my job. And that's what we're coming to do. And we're going to do it all over the country. But we're going to start wherever we can start now. And that might look like... Um, Texas, Utah, Idaho, yeah. and uh, yeah. maybe even South Dakota. We might need to take a trip to South Dakota yeah. with uh, the way that they've stayed throughout this whole thing. Is kind of be interesting to see what kind of group of freedom-loving Americans yeah. are there that would support this type of discussion. So anyway, we're, Texas is going to be first. We're going to do the best that we can to get the most amount of places in before the end of the year. And then we'll kind of let maybe the first few months of the year go by with crazy flu season and whatever else is happening, crazy weather. Yeah. And then, and then maybe we'll start in March again. Yeah. That's going to be so hard to wait. Well, to and maybe do we this. won't, maybe we won't. Oh, it's going to be so hard to wait. Especially if we spring, can do California, right? if we well, can do somewhere that's local without crazy bad oh, weather yeah, and totally. all that stuff, no, then right. let's do it. Well, we'll if we, it. if we get our flu shots, then we could go to like Massachusetts. Speaking and, and of New York, shots, right? Speaking of flu shots. <laughs> Today's topic Today's topic is, is brought to you by Melissa Floyd. Wait, did you welcome everybody in? Officially? I didn't welcome Let's everybody. Let's do it now. Okay. <laughs> when you open the door for somebody else, 
Welcome in to the Vaccine Conversation. The one you've been listening to yes. for the last 20 minutes. <laughs> and today's topic, we can just jump right in. No uh, no pre-show banter, because we just did that. And that's not really even banter. Those are no. more of our updates, right. like announcements. Yeah. We're, um, in fact, we're kind of like even telling each other these things. I'm like, yeah. so are we doing this? And you're like, yeah, we're By doing By the way, it. we're doing this, Dr. Okay. Bob. <laughs> so what, what I, we want to talk about is what he just mentioned about Massachusetts. Now, this happened a couple weeks ago. Um, or about a month ago, but Massachusetts has become the very first state in the nation to require a flu vaccine for all students, that includes daycare, childcare, from six months of age all the way to 30 years of age. Wow. I didn't realize it had gone that high until I was looking through the actual State Department of Public Health uh, announcement that they posted. So we know in places like Connecticut and I believe New York, they have uh, they passed something to allow for the this is last year, the flu vaccine for child care. Right. But it has not been for school entry. Now, I'll tell you one of the things that concerns me the most about this. The fact that this whole thing passed during covid without any notification or involvement from the public. There was no ability to be a part of the hearings. There was no public discussion and a chance to go to your legislator and, and plead your case. It literally just happened in the dark of the night. All of a sudden, this has sort of passed. I mean, everybody's so concerned with COVID right now. They weren't really expecting legislators to come together and vote on something like this that is such a contentious and complex discussion. And we're not talking about, you know, a very niche at-risk group of people. All students, six months to post-secondary institutions being college, and it even says in here specifically, up to 30 years of age hmm. are required by this year, December 31st, to get a flu vaccine. And two of the articles, I'll give you the names of the two articles that we're talking about today. Um, one of them is from CBS Boston, and it's, it's entitled, Flu Vaccine Now Required for All Massachusetts Students by December 31st. And I, you know how I've done those... Um, fake news breakdowns. And I have to remind myself, I need to do that for my podcast and actually like go through one of those in a podcast audio format where you look at an article and you kind of look at the details. What I found really interesting about this and anybody who's been in this for a while, you're going to know what, I, what I'm saying here. You can tell how they want you to feel about this topic by the way that they present it and lay it out and the order in which they put the quotes. Hmm. Okay. So the first parent that they include in this article. Can I guess? Is going to be, tell me what you think. I, uh, I don't know if it's a parent of an immunocompromised child or does that come later? Or do they skip that? They skip that altogether. Okay, right. But what would right. you guess? Is this somebody for the mandate or not for the mandate? Well, for the mandate. Definitely for the mandate. Right. The first parent that is quoted on here. The, the only is, parent they could find. They the, probably had to spend hours. And, <laughs> and literally this woman has no title than just she's a mom. Yeah. Like they specifically just, okay, start with a mom. She says, on top of all the COVID troubles, you may as well cut one thing out. 
oh my by getting your flu vaccine, right? So she said when she heard the announcement, she was basically happy about it, right? She said, especially this year, it's one less thing to worry about to get your flu shot. And then this is the kicker right here. Hopefully, it's very effective this year. Oh, jeez. Can you imagine supporting a universal mandate for all children based on hope that it works? Right, right. I hope it's effective, Dr. Bob. Because otherwise, we're going to make a fool of ourselves by requiring millions of students to Mm. have to get it in order to go to school. Hopefully, it will be very effective this year. So that's the first quote that you get. Now, what's funny is, you know, everybody has an attention span of a flea these days. So when you're going through, you might not even make it past the first couple paragraphs. So you would have gotten that quote in the first paragraph of somebody supporting it as if, Parents agree this is a good idea. You might as well just cut one thing off the table, get your flu shot so you don't have to worry about it with COVID this year. See, they're really, really trying to bring these two things together. And the funny part about all of this is these are two separate viruses. And they are using COVID to promote the flu vaccine. Oh, totally. And I don't know if if you listen to my podcast, Dr. Bob. I do. But in my last episode talking about the flu vaccine, I talked about the number of doses they are planning for this year. Right, more than ever. 200 million. So that is a huge jump from what it was last year. And And as you have educated us before, we know that they don't last. So they are going to be expecting to give them all out. Right. Why would they increase the number of doses unless they felt people were going to be more fearful this year and more willing to comply? Right? They're not no, going to totally. They're not going to guess. No, totally. But but they weren't just going to rely on more people voluntarily getting the flu shot. They have to increase the mandates wherever they can. You know, the Massachusetts, the California Public Health Department just mandated it for all healthcare workers in California. And then in and college students, right? Because that would be for college students too. They're a part of the UC oh, system. Oh, yeah, the UC system. Yeah. yeah, the UC system and all healthcare workers. So it's it's been mandated to work in a hospital, in most hospitals, but the public health department mandated it for all healthcare workers, no matter what you do in a doctor's office, unless you're like tech support. But everyone that works in anywhere that offers medical services they're mandating it. They don't tell you the little, you know, parentheses that says you can have, you can exercise a religious exemption for it in California, even though that doesn't really exist in law. It says you can actually use a religious exemption as, as a, a healthcare, healthcare worker. Okay. Right. But in order to utilize those, you know, extra 50 million doses that they're making this year, they knew all those would just go in the trash if it was just a, a regular year, you know, business as usual. They had to find states where they could dish, you know, tens of millions of those doses out where the government would be buying the doses from the pharmaceutical companies. The CDC would be Mm -hmm. buying it. The public health departments would be buying it. Employers, colleges would be buying it or people are having to buy it themselves as a mandate. They had to they basically had to put a mandate hand in hand with the increased production. Otherwise, all those billions of dollars would have gone to waste. And you know that's happening behind the scenes. You know that pharmaceutical companies who are making the flu shots and their 
their lobbying organizations and their medical organizations are dishing out tons of money to the legislators who are passing these flu mandate laws in order to get their product mandated in their state. You know that's happening. Well, and you know that for California, for example, they didn't pull the school thing this time. Right. And why? Because there are a lot of activists in our state that have already been mobilized and have been fighting back for a while. So it's kind of funny they picked Massachusetts to start. Did Massachusetts, was that the center of some huge outbreak during COVID? No. Was it some mm. major, um, you know, childhood illness epicenter? No. They're picking places that have not mobilized yet mm. on purpose, the same way that they did when they took away... Um, in West Virginia and in Mississippi, where right. they took away exemptions originally first, they, they're, they're going for the weak targets. Hmm. So New York okay. and California are kind of fired up right now because they've been taking away our rights for the last couple of years. Right. That's not the angry den you want to go into. If you're going to start this, and you can guarantee this is the beginning of many they're going to go somewhere that's not really ever had to mobilize. So they weren't prepared for this. Now they're going to be mobilizing, but guess what? It's too it's late. It's too late. I mean, can you imagine if in, in California, if this happened overnight, like we wake up one morning and Governor Newsom and Senator Pan are having a press conference and say they say, oh, by the way, we met as a legislative body over the weekend and we passed the flu mandate for every single school and a high school and college student and graduate student. I feel like there'd be statewide. riots. That I mean, be... we, we would go nuts. And I, we haven't, I haven't talked to anyone in Massachusetts, so I, I wonder how they're coping with this. I haven't but, either, but I know for a fact it was by design to start with that. Yeah. Because now this becomes normal when people start hearing about it, and then it's going to be another state that, no, maybe Kentucky, somewhere that like nobody's really done a big medical freedom pushback. And they're going to wait until they start to get that majority, and they're going to start falling. All these states are going to yeah. start falling. Yeah. And it's funny because I feel like a lot of our medical freedom activists have said, just wait till they try to push the flu. Because at first it was like the HPV vaccine or the flu vaccine. These are the ones that even the most pro-vax person might opt out of. Right. And the fact that they did that without allowing the public to weigh in on it, I don't know why there's not a lot more, um, you know, crazy pushback because it is just unreal. I don't know if people understand the implications here, but uh, you should know that in Massachusetts, they still do have medical exemptions like all states, obviously, um, and religious exemptions. Right. And so people might think, oh, okay, it's not required. But it's just what I always say. It's the stroke of a pen. Right. It's one step towards taking away the religious exemption. It is so easy right. to take that away. It's just right. one quick bill, one quick piece of legislation that goes, you know what? COVID's happening. We can't take any chances with our children not being up to date. So we need to remove the, the religious exemption. And guess what will already have been in law before that happens? The flu vaccine. Right. The vaccine that is the least effective Ugh. vaccine on the schedule. And what I was telling Dr. Bob as I was reading this, of course, homeschool students are exempt, but guess who's not exempt? I'm going to read for you directly from the Massachusetts Department of Public Health. Okay, I want to read for you. It says, this new flu immunization requirement to enter school in January is in addition to the existing vaccine requirements for all those attending childcare, preschool, K through 12, colleges, and universities. And then it says, elementary and secondary students in districts and schools that are using remote education, 
right now are not exempt. So let me read that again. If you're in elementary or secondary school, so elementary, middle school, high school, and you're in a district uh, that is doing remote learning right now, remote education model, they call it, you are not exempt from being forced to get a flu vaccine even though you're not even in school, you're not in person with anybody, you're literally at home in front of your computer, you have to get a flu vaccine by December 31st. Now, one thing I will say about the the flu vaccine that I think people keep getting overlooked, and I need to go into this again and post this again, there is a limit to the protection it offers you for those it works for. It does not work for a year or 10 years or 15 years. According to the studies I found, your antibodies have decreased substantially before 90 days time. Hmm. So you have all of these people getting it now, getting it in August or September, and the flu season goes all the way through March of next year. In fact, the biggest peaks that I see are in March as far as cases. So let's say everybody's getting it now, their protection is not even going to last them to the point where they're in person. Their protection in quotes. In protection, because assuming it works for them, assuming they're one of the few it works for and they happen to come across. It's going to wear off before. It's going to wear, and guess when it's going to wear off? Just in time for them to go back to in-person learning because these people are remote learning as it is now. So they're going to go back to school thinking they're totally protected. And what what are we going to see? We're still going to see the flu in schools. Why? Because we know the vaccine doesn't work, but it doesn't matter that it doesn't work. All that matters is the fact that they are able to control and pull this with the worst vaccine on the schedule. Mm. I mean, it was shocking to me when I saw it. I can't believe more people weren't up in arms. And I guess that's because you were here in California, so it's not affecting us directly. But again, this is how they work. Mm -hmm. They go from one to the next to the next to the next. Everybody listening to this needs to be ready to go on edge ready to defend themselves because you're going to need to organize and mobilize. And if, if this happens in your state, you need to take it to the streets. That is the reality, especially in COVID right now where we can't go to your capital, you can't go to your legislator's offices the same way you could before. You're going to have to go to the streets. I can guarantee you people have no idea this is happening and what these implications are going to be. Six months to 30 years old. I mean, come on. Right. And it it doesn't even have to be the legislator, the legislature that is passing these laws. For example, the the rule that the California Department of Public Health just made for the flu vaccine for all healthcare workers, they just made that rule themselves. That wasn't a California law. The the senators were not involved at all. So and and New York has done that as well. Um other states. So your public health department actually has the authority in most states to arbitrarily say, okay, now we're going to join Massachusetts and we're going to join California in mandating the flu shot for, for preschoolers, mandating the flu shot for healthcare workers, mandating the flu shot for teachers. I mean, it doesn't have to be a legislative process. Wow. And, and people need to kind of wake up to that, that our, you know, our infectious disease policymakers and authorities that we've allowed our government to have this kind of power, we the people, like you said, you need to go to the street, start talking to your friends, 
start telling everyone, hey, you know, I know you've never had a flu shot, but you know they're starting to mandate it left and right all over the country for these different people. And and they might come and just mandate it for, for everybody. If they can manage to make 350 million doses of the flu shot some year, boom, nationwide mandate for everybody. You got to wake people up to this. And like I was saying on um, the episode that I did, their goal has always been over 80% compliance. Mm. And they're only at 47%. So it has been a push for a really long time to get those numbers up. And the only way you're going to do it is if people fear the disease, right? Wasn't that some of the Cochrane Library reports about how they were going to market the flu vaccine was all about increasing fear of the illness, not everybody's afraid of the flu. Well, of course, because it's pretty mild for most people. It's manageable for most people. But they wanted to increase. So speaking of the flu, I'll just say really fast, I just made some new cards about the flu called oh, yeah. Flu Facts. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And I did that right after this got passed in Massachusetts. Oh, wow. And, in, and on cool. my card, I mention it. On the top of that oh, card, right. yeah. it mentions yeah. that in Massachusetts, this law passed and they're coming for other states. Um, it has really good information. I've been, people have been asking me for the last year to do flu facts, but honestly, when I started this whole thing, um, it was like December, January of last year, it was already kind of the middle of flu season. Didn't really make sense. Yeah. And you're like, who cares about the flu shot? I mean, you know, half the country already doesn't like it, but we wouldn't have thought this was happening. Right. But I knew this was a, definitely a topic people are, their ears are open to. Right. And especially now to the flu. vaccine. So if you want those flu facts, message me on Facebook or on Instagram. It's the only way you can order. Some people direct message us on immunity education group, Facebook page, or find that email. Those will get to me. Um, you can only order through me. I don't have a link. Um, I might need to worry, you know, to set that up or something. So it's a little bit easier, but right now just go right to me and I will make the order and I will, um, ship them out to you and they're awesome. So I'm really proud of them. Flu facts. It's the first of volume, uh, three different points again on the front, three different points on the back with some additional information like Massachusetts and thimerosal. And uh, if you want to order, get them, th- get them from me. But check out what, what um, this Department of Public Health also says. And this is the kind of misleading stuff I don't like. So they say all children at least six months old who, att- who attend childcare or preschool must be immunized in accordance with the ACIP schedule. Okay. Six months old to childcare age you have to follow the ACIP schedule. It's not the same schedule as what's required for school entry because often that schedule is reduced doses from what the CDC recommended schedule is. So the ACIP, for those who don't know, is a committee, part of the CDC basically, that decides, not really part of the CDC, but it's, it's the one, this is the group who decides what vaccines are on the schedule for children. The CDC recommended schedule is the standard of care. Okay, that means that's what your child will get unless you say otherwise, because this is what most doctors follow as the standard of care protocol. The ACIP schedule is the 49 doses by five years old. That is not what's required for kindergarten entry in many states, though. Right. In many states, some of that is taken off or reduced, and you should be very familiar with your state's recommendations because it might not be, I mean, a guaranteed is not as many doses as what the CDC is recommending, except for in Hawaii, I know that they just basically adopted the CDC schedule for all of their students. So you have to follow all of them, which would be the full 69 doses by the time you're 18 years old. 
Um, but mentioning six months to childcare, we're talking about a hefty load of vaccines here. This is not just measles, diphtheria, and tetanus. People right. like to think these are just the worst a couple handful of childhood illnesses. What's the big deal? They're asking you, they're telling you that if your child is an infant in, in daycare, they have to follow the CDC schedule. That means the full-blown schedule. Now, that's not something um, I think many people are realizing is, is a requirement. You might think to yourself, oh, I can do some, space them out or, or whatever. But following the ACIP schedule to me is very dangerous because, like I said, in Hawaii, they already changed it to where all school children have to follow the ACIP schedule now. Wow. And that's going to be another thing. They're going to keep pushing this. They start sometimes with things like daycare, just like Connecticut and New York. Let's do the flu shot just for daycare entry. We're going to make them follow the CDC schedule first. What they want, every child to follow the CDC schedule, every adult to be up to date according to the CDC schedule. That's what they want, period. Oh, of course. They are just inching their way closer, and the easiest target is child care entry because you have to work. Right. You have to have somebody watching your child, so you're going to just do it because you don't have a choice. You might not felt com you might not have felt comfortable. You might not have even had a chance to do your research, but it's not going to matter because that's how they push you. They push you into complying because you are forced. You're desperate, and they move from childcare to school age, from school age to post secondary school age, and then they they do the healthcare. They do the small little subsets of our private sector business, and then they're going to work to opening that up a little bit, opening that up. They're trying to cover everybody with everything. That's not a conspiracy theory. That right. is a complete right. fact, and we've seen it as it's working. But you, if you start paying attention to these states, and the NVIC is a great resource for this because they're mm -hmm. always on top of what new bills and policies have come out in each individual state. So I encourage you to go to their website and um, and check out what's happening in your state. You can see the bigger picture, a little bit here, a little bit there, a little bit there. If you're right. paying attention and you step back, that puzzle becomes very clear. And I would be furious to think that my child, in order to go to daycare or childcare, has to have the full 49 doses of vaccines by the time they're five years old. The one thing I can say about California's requirements is at least you know it's not the full CDC schedule. Right. It's still not great. Right. And right. it's still not good for medically fragile children. But at least it's not the CDC schedule. But yet, if you're, if you're vulnerable, infant has to go into child. They have to yeah. do the CDC schedule. Was, I mean, yeah. that is unreal to yeah. me. When I read that, I, you don't seem yeah. very shocked and surprised by it. But I know I am. Yeah, because I guess I'm just so used to California's schedule being so much smaller than the full CDC schedule. And... But you know, but then in California we have no opt outs anymore. At least you know, Massachusetts has a religious opt out for now, but as as you know, you said earlier, that could go away with the stroke of a pen. And something that I just found out that you told me the other day, um, you can now actually give infants, these little six month old infants and one year olds, they're now allowed to get the adult dose of the flu shot. Uh, infants and kids up until before they turned three years old used to get a half dose and they still make half doses and you can still get a half dose of that shot. And you need two of those half doses as your first dose. 
um, when you're six months or a year, whenever your first flu season is. But they just recently, last year, the ACIP um, or the CDC, I don't know who allowed it, but someone allowed uh, the approval of giving full adult-sized doses to these little tiny babies of the flu shot. And so now if you're at your doctor's office and you don't know better, and your doctor has run out of the little, you know, little infant doses, your doctor can just go to the fridge, pull out an adult dose, and give your baby the full adult dose, and give your baby that full adult dose twice. Right, six month, months you know, and seven months. One month mm-hmm. back to back. And that just, again, is, uh, is very shocking for me. You know, and, and I didn't know that. That kind of was totally under the radar. And you had read it or heard it somewhere a few months ago. And somehow these little nuggets like stick in your brain and then you pull them out later. And and I, I looked it up and, yeah, you were right. So Yeah, I had to laugh. You're like, you messaged me the other day. You're like, oh, um, <laughs> oh yeah. you said in your podcast <laughs> that they can get the adult dose. But mm, that's not true. They do an infant dose, which is half. And I was like... <laughs> Wait a second. We actually covered this, though. A couple of years ago, we talked about the fact that they were going to be changing this. Yeah. Um, and then you like it, text me back. You're like, oh, wait, look at you. You're right. <laughs> look at you. Look at you. You got Did it I right. Say? Yeah, you're just I like, can't believe you're just a mom, but you got something right. <laughs> oh, my gosh. You're a woman, too. And oh, my gosh. That's amazing. Just joking, of course, because I don't think Dr. Bob's like that. I know I joke about that. but I know. Yeah. Um, but. It was it was kind of funny. You're like, oh yeah, but I don't think yeah. anyone knows that. I don't think anyone in the pu- in the public. I don't think most doctors know that. Well, hopefully everybody who listened to that episode, yeah, on what they or, are or, telling or, you, yeah. But now, it. but th- you just sort of said it as a little fact, kind of, yeah. you know, uh, as an afterthought almost. And so now our listeners, you guys can start warning people where they're ma- mandating the flu shot. If a kid has to get it, at least make sure they're getting the infant dose if they're, you know, 35 months of age and younger, you know, before you've turned three. Or just don't get the flu vaccine. Oh, yeah. yeah. Your child's an infant (laughs) or very young, especially with the additional number of doses. Yeah, I, I find it interesting. I don't know if they covered it in this article, but I was trying to think of why are they mandating the flu vaccine this year and pairing it up with the COVID issue, you know, Mm -hmm. with COVID out there, you know, we want to, you know, stop people from getting the flu and because, you know, people are probably going to get COVID and we don't want them to get both. But I was trying to think of why, I mean, they know it doesn't work very well, but there's always been that general medical belief that it will decrease your risk of hospitalization, decrease complications and you could argue whether or not that's even true because it might not even be true. But accepting the fact that, that most doctors and, and medical professionals do believe it's true, I feel I wonder if that's the main reason why they're mandating the vaccine and really pushing it. It's all to uh, um, prevent you know the hospitals from getting overloaded. What was the catchphrase? I mean, for COVID? Flatten the curve? No, flatten the curve, but I don't know. Prevent, I guess, just prevent hospitals from getting um, inundated and overloaded with tons of flu and COVID. And if everyone gets the flu shot, then no one's going to be in the hospital with the flu this year. So then we have room for COVID. But, but as you know, hospitals are full of the flu every year, regardless okay, so, of the vaccination. Yeah, I was say, so, so it just doesn't make sense why they're using last, that. Yeah, let's yeah. go to last year. Last, if the hospitals are overrun with people with influenza, which, of course, we know is not true because that's only true about 16% of the time. The rest of the 84% are other respiratory right. illnesses that are not right. actually influenza. Right. So the flu vaccine would not work for those anyway, right. by the way. Yep. But 
if we already know the flu season makes the hospitals have tents outside and sometimes need assistance from local hospitals, like we know that has happened. The flu vaccine's already in production and there are already a crap load of people that voluntarily take it and a bunch of people that are mandated to take it. So why do, do people all of a sudden think it's gonna somehow work this year, but it didn't really work all the other years before? I personally think that they saw COVID as an opportunity to milk the fear. And I have a, my feeling is they're like, let's not let this go to waste. Yeah. We can just tell people getting the flu vaccine is going to help them. Maybe could prevent them from having both things at once. I've seen that. Get your oh, yeah. flu vaccine because you know you can have both of these things at once. Of course, the likelihood of that is just, you know. Or, or they're setting the stage to mandate the COVID vaccine. It's all you know, connected right. because, but why? Because these are the same players at work. The same oh, yeah. people behind who's been pushing this huge flu shot vaccine campaign for all these years. Those same people are the same people behind the whole COVID, let's scare everybody with the numbers yeah. and make this into this extended pandemic that never goes away, that makes everybody in a state of fear. And also we just happen to have the vaccine for that and we just want to 7 billion people to happen to get it. And it's only, it's gonna be a couple months of protection. You'll need it maybe every year. I mean, this is the same people running the show. Yeah. I, don't, I don't know why anybody yeah. would think that somehow it's different, it's not different. So if they've been trying to do it over here, it didn't work. Now you got a bunch of people scared. Okay, we're going to shift a few things over here. Let's kind of focus on this, and then we'll pull up with this, and we're double trouble. We, we're going to be like the end of this year. We're going to be doing pretty well for ourselves. I mean, if, and again, not a conspiracy theory. This is actually based on patterns that we've seen um, for years now, for years. Yeah, yeah. And so here we are now. Flu season's coming. I'm kind of curious to see what's going to go down. Yeah, I'm curious to see what's going to happen. Are we going to have huge spikes of the flu? Or are they going to say it's a second wave of COVID and all of a sudden we don't have the flu? I'll tell you, I watched an interesting video. I watched it a couple weeks ago, but I didn't get through it all the way. It's this Irish guy. Did you see it? No. Um, I don't watch videos you like don't watch you do. Irish I, don't watch, I don't watch YouTube or <laughs> Facebook videos. Well, or, no, it's a data-based yeah. evidence guy who breaks down all these different charts. And Oh, yeah. Um, sounds like <laughs> just oh, your, not, just your cup of tea. It's my cup of tea. It's not data really your thing. And charts. <laughs> but what's funny is, so Dr. Scott Jensen, who we've had on here, he shared it and, so, and then a bunch of people shared it to me and they said, hey, check this out. What is this about? And it, as soon as I see a video that's 30 minutes long, I'm like, oh, I'll get to it later. I'll get to it later. <laughs> But as I played it again, I was like, wait a second, I've seen this. I saw this a couple of weeks ago, but I didn't finish it. But, and I'm going to do a podcast episode on it because it's, I'm going to break down in audio form basically the most important things that, they, that he talks about. But I'll tell you something so interesting, and we should really go into this if you want to look at data and, and analyze it, <laughs> is what they said was basically last year we had less excess deaths during flu season than we usually do. So there are certain years where we have this higher level of excess deaths. So what he calls that is basically tinder on the fire because there was an, a huge group of susceptible people who didn't die who last didn't year. Die. Yes. And this yes. was like a light bulb for me. What that meant was you had a much larger group 
susceptible now to another illness coming around, which in this case happened to be COVID. But what they found out was in all these different countries, the countries that had the highest totals had the lowest levels of excess deaths last year with the influenza. Hmm. So there were a few countries that had above average excess deaths with influenza, and those had very low COVID deaths. So basically what they're saying, and I, and I thought about this too, there's, there are only so many susceptible people at a given time. So if you're looking at all the people with underlying conditions, elderly, those who are weak and frail, that's who an illness is going to go after. It, doesn't, it can't right. take over healthy people because that's not how typical viruses can work or bacteria, whatever. So you're talking about uh, a group of susceptible people. Well, there are only so many of those people, and once they get attacked and once they get used by that as a host they are no longer viable and there's only so many 85 year olds with underlying conditions that are around once that small group dies out because of an illness there's nothing left so it's not going to just then move to the 40 year olds who have no underlying conditions and start going after them right it can only go after who is susceptible enough weak enough to be taken over so if you have last year's flu that didn't really take, because you know in 2018, 19, that was a bigger season. So 19, 2000, uh, 2020 did not have a very big season the year prior. And so what happened was you've got an entire group of people that were ready to be attacked, so to speak. And it's such an interesting hypothesis yeah. that you yeah. can look and see visually Um, these dips, and the dips were last year, and it was under the traditional line for deaths. So your excess death level was below normal. What's going to happen? You have twice as many people now that could be killed by an illness that you would usually have. Because if the four or 5,000 or 6,000, like in Sweden, for example, the number they came up with was about 4,000 that did not die from the flu. And that is just about the number they've had for total deaths was, is about 5,000. So essentially, the people that would have died before that didn't became the first deaths of COVID right. and a higher rate than they would have had just from a new illness. It's kind of a deep theory for, yeah. it might, I, I don't even know if I'm totally explaining it well enough for you guys to get what I'm saying. I'll put my thoughts together in, in the podcast maybe a little better, but so interesting. And it was something you've not heard anybody talking about. Yeah. And, and according to this, huh. these data graphs, it was completely visible, completely visible in the UK, in um, I think in Italy, in Sweden, you could see the drop and then you see the spike. But in all those countries that did not have that drop the last year, they di- also didn't have a spike because some people are going, how come this area did and this area didn't? How come this neighbor to Sweden didn't have? Well, now there's some reasons why that could have been the case is there were all people right. spared the year before. And, uh, you know, eventually nature catches up with you. You You're only given that extra little bit for so long. If you're a susceptible person, you're going to be susceptible at some point coming up. What do you think? Yeah, that's that's super interesting. I never even thought of that either. But it sort of makes me wonder if this coming flu season in the U.S. is going to be pretty mild when it comes to deaths. That's exactly what I was saying that for. And why is the season going to be mild? It's because... The flu shot's going to work so wonderfully. (laughs) No, that's what they're going to claim. That's what they're going to say. They're going to say, gosh, you know, we mandated the flu shot. We made 200 million doses this year. We made so many more. And look what we've done. 
we've had fewer masks. We, we have or masks. masks. You're right, and masks. Yeah. We've had now we've had the the fewest flu deaths, you know, in 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 a single year than you know, and going back many many decades. And that they're probably going to claim it's because of masks but and what, the flu shot. But what will be the real reason? But then? the real reason would be so many susceptible people died from COVID tragically this year instead of dying from the flu last year or this year. Or this right? year coming, yeah. Right. Isn't that, that interesting? Is, uh, that is... That is Super interesting. It makes wow. total yeah. sense. No, it makes it total sense, though. So I will. I'll do a little thing on this uh, video, but um, but it's important to understand patterns yeah. Yeah. and trends. And you know, we've been covering this for six years, so it's easier for us to say, "Well, this is the the what usually happens," or the average. We can say that, and you can say that because you've been looking at vaccines, you know, for a long time. So we're prepared to see patterns. Everybody wants to say COVID's new. It's all new. It's all new. It's novel. It's new, right? And I did an episode <laughs> on that. Uh, I talked about that on the podcast about how it's not really novel, according to Beta Sadler, who said, no, this isn't novel. This is actually so closely related to SARS-CoV-1. We do know the patterns of this virus. But because you can see patterns in how they market public health and illness and disease and vaccines, we know exactly how this is going to go. So anyway... I think we can wrap it up here on this. Yeah, episode. but yeah, I, I want to remind people just real quick. Everyone already knows this, but in case you're new to the the flu uh, discussion, um, there is no good data or research that shows the flu vaccine stops you from catching the flu and becoming contagious and spreading it to others. So it's not a public health benefit. So all these states and and places that are mandating the flu shot to try to reduce the spread of the flu. The flu shot just doesn't work that way. If anything, it maybe will reduce the severity of your symptoms, but even that's debatable. So I just want to put that out there, and, and, it, and it might not even decrease the hospitalizations in the elderly or, and possibly not in children. There may be some decrease in hospitalizations in healthy adults, maybe, maybe not, but I mean, you might be thinking to yourself, oh, well, everyone should just get a flu shot so we can reduce the spread of the flu. It does not work that way. No science has ever proven or demonstrated at all that it works that way. So you can't claim that as a benefit. There really is no medical justification for this kind of mandate other than, you know, the the financial and the, the governmental powers that they're going after that we've talked about in, in this episode. So I just wanted to throw that out there in case there are any newbies out there who are not familiar with it. And can you tell people where it? to get that information? Because I've had a lot of people asking me, where can you find information about how it doesn't prevent the spread? We know it's the Cochrane Library, but do you have any details on where people can find that? I would say, number one, if you go to our flu episodes in the vaccine conversation, you will see our resources posted there on the vaccine on on immunityeducationgroup.org podcast page. Go to our flu podcast episodes and you'll see the, the data. Um, I actually have some great uh, flu data, all, all of this uh, flu data and research on my um, um, johnphiliprion.com resources page. If you go to the flu chapter from the A Tale of Two Sides book, on johnphiliprion.com, I have all the resources laid out there very thoroughly that talk about all the Cochrane data and how you know all these studies that show flu vaccine does not prevent the spread. Um, I just, uh, I mean, and, and another resource if you want, you know, something easy to find. There's a 
Physicians for Informed Consent, you know, they have a website, um, you know, that title.org. They actually just wrote a paper uh, countering the California university systems flu mandate. And it's called Physicians for Informed Consent Letter Opposing UC Regents Flu Vaccine Mandate. If you find this on their website, they also talk about the data from the British Medical Journal that you've talked about, Melissa, and their Cochrane data that demonstrate there is no evidence that the flu vaccine prevents the spread. So I just saw they came out with that and they kind of worded it in the same way that you did in your recent podcast on what they aren't telling you. Um, so th those are some w places you can actually get this research, very solid research and easy to find on those resources. So thanks for mentioning that. And I, I mean, I suppose, I guess I'll post all these resources on, on this uh, episode too. Well, let's not forget, yeah. we've done some flu episodes on this very podcast. Yeah, yeah. So if you're new to this podcast yeah. now, go back to season one. There's some oh, yeah. great flu episodes yeah. we did with resources yeah. that you can go on our website to find, yeah. <laughs> except so, for some of the missing episodes. No, but everyone knows that you weren't listening to me just now because I just said that like a minute ago. <laughs> I'm pulling. I'm pulling a Doctor Bob. <laughs> I know you. She's like texting or like I don't know. Are you Instagramming or are you texting or? You... I'm researching. <laughs> oh, you, oh, she's researching. I'm sorry, yeah, I'm about researching. the flu. Yes. <laughs> so, so, I want to make sure I'm, I'm giving you guys the most up to date information. <laughs> I'm but, so leaving that in there. But, no, but but I'll repost these uh, all these resources on okay. on this episode too. Okay, you. but also yeah. what about that uh, lawsuit that Children's Health Defense is doing against the UC yeah. uh, system for yeah. requiring that flu shot? That's happening right now too. Oh yeah, and if, yeah. Injunction, right? Yeah, so if you go to uh, childrenshealthdefense.org, Bobby Kennedy Jr.'s um uh organization they are suing the UC system over this flu shot mandate because they know just as well as we do, the mandate is unnecessary and won't help and, and will end up causing more reactions and will hurt some people when they have severe side effects. And so they're suing the UC system. So I bet their website probably has a lot of this information as well. So cool. Right. Well, that was awesome. Well, I just wanted to make sure we covered this because it yeah. happened a couple of weeks ago and we haven't had regular episodes because it's, you know, summertime and whatnot. But anyway, we've updated you with what's going on and uh, we'll keep you updated. And Yeah, so use these resources, get some of Melissa's flu Vax Facts cards, get all the... All flu the, Facts. The, yeah, flu Facts. <laughs> get all this information at your fingertips and, and, and start talking to people about it, start yeah. blogging about it, posting it on your pages and... And sharing it with uh, you know, pe you know policymakers in your, you know, I mean, whoever you have access to, where this information matters, start talking to them about it, and because uh, we we, we got to prevent these flu mandates because again, that's just one more step towards COVID mandates and other vaccine mandates. So. And it's the worst that I mean, the fact that they could even get away with it, and I mean, this this is yeah. ultimate control when yeah. they get this. So anyway, thanks you guys for listening and um, we will see you next time on the Vaccine Conversation. Bye.
The information in this podcast is for entertainment purposes only. It is not intended as medical advice. Always consult your healthcare professional for information on vaccines and infectious diseases.